This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters where we talk all things property, some really interesting stats to get us started off followed by the changes to the Residential Tenancies Amendment Act and how that might apply to you, your tenants or if you're living in rented properties and then we'll just move on to a little bit of what's happening around the country with some local news. So let's get into that. The Real Estate Institute of New Zealand has recently brought out their monthly property report. This is uh, published on the 14th of August 2020, but it relates to the month of July. And for those of you who have heard me talk about these monthly reports before, may recall that we're really comparing July of 2020 to July of 2019 to see what's changed over a year. The main headline for this is that the property market continues defying expectations with sales volumes and prices up. So quite some changes uh, that are happening. So for New Zealand, excluding Auckland, the number of properties sold increased by 21.5% when compared to the same time last year. In Auckland, the number of properties sold in July increased by over 30% the highest for the month of July in five years. So certainly an increase in activity uh, when compared with a year ago. Remember a year ago was well prior to COVID. So it's interesting to see that things are uh, still increasing there. Bindi Norwell, who's the Chief Executive of the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, says that New Zealand's property market continued to defy expectations with sales volumes increasing by 24.6% when compared to the same time last year. So really interesting there. Some of the stats that I like to look at are the median house prices. And in Auckland, the median house price is up 11.5% year on year, uh, up from 825 to 920,000. Now, if you look at uh, New Zealand outside of Auckland, then we're up 15.3%, so a little bit better performing in the regions, up from 485 to 559. So some quite uh, significant changes there indeed. And this report uh, also usually has a map that shows record median prices and the areas that were records, in other words, the highest prices that they have been median so far was Gisborne, at 483,000 median price, that's up 36% from this time last year. That's an incredible increase. Waikato, 615,000 median, uh, gone up 17%. Taranaki, 446, which is a rise of almost 24% on the median value. And Manawatu Wanganui, a record at 442,500, up almost 20% on this time a year ago. Now, if you think about what that actually means, that's for every $100,000 worth of value in a home in the Manawatu Wanganui area, uh, according to the the median figure, you've now gone up $20,000. So if your home was previously worth $400,000, or at least the median, it's gone up by eighty. So that's quite a lot of equity, and equity is what sits in your home. It's money that you can't use for much, but you can use it to lend against, which means, for example, buying rental properties or lending um, 
I was going to say for an international holiday, trying to think of something of large expenditure, but uh, a, a vehicle could be another one or business. Um, so obviously the international travel well and truly off the cards. So uh, let's have a look at some of those uh, changes with regards to the uh, the changes when com- compared to a year ago. As I mentioned just before, the most major is Gisborne of 36%, uh, West Coast at 278 uh, Manawatu is uh, Manawatu Wanganui is right up there on twenty, and Taranaki almost twenty four percent. So I'm just going to talk because this show is produced in uh, Manawatu Wanganui just a little bit about what's happening more specifically in this region. So Bindi Norwell says that uh, the Wanganui Manawatu market achieved a new record median price of four hundred forty two five thousand, and additionally Horafanua. District, Manawatu District and Wanganui District all achieved record median prices. So Horafanua 450, Manawatu District 525 and Wanganui District 365 respectively. So I'm just going to break that down a bit to be a little bit more specific as you can hear me flicking pages in the background. Uh, the report's quite comprehensive. So if you had a median house in Horafanua, that's gone up in one year from three seventy to four fifty. That's an eighty thousand dollar increase. Manawatu, four hundred and fifteen thousand up to five twenty five. That's a hundred and ten thousand dollar increase. Wanganui from two ninety two to three sixty five, which is, if my maths is correct, a three a seventy three thousand dollar increase. So as percentages, Horafanua has gone up almost twenty two. Manawatu district almost twenty seven and Wanganui District 25. So we're still performing really well. Uh, Why is this? Well, it's mainly because of the huge number of projects and uh, people moving into our region, which is just meaning that plenty is being done, and plenty will continue to be done, and there's no reason why, as I've mentioned uh, in the past, I I certainly believe that house prices will continue to rise here at at least the rate of 10% per year, for the next three years. That's just my personal opinion, but it's based on a lot of research and based also on what has been happening. So I'm allowing for a little bit of a drop-off there relating to COVID, but we'd still have that growth regardless. As I mentioned, uh, almost 20% growth in the last 12 months in that uh, Manawatu-Wanganui area. So good news there for many of the regions that prices are going up. It's mainly fueled by a lack of supply, lack of houses for sale, and strong demand. And I'll talk a little bit about that just a little bit later. But for the moment, we're going to do a slight change of tack. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Residential Tenancies Amendment Act. So from uh, the website tenancy.govt.nz, which is actually the government site that has a lot of really helpful information around tenancy and landlord matters, The headline is Residential Tenancies Amendment Act 2020 now in force. So royal assent happened on the 11th of August 2020 and the Residential Tenancies Amendment Act is now in force and the amendments are broad and affect both landlords and tenants. Two of the changes are already now in place and the others come into force later. These laws, according to this announcement, have been made to modernise New Zealand's rental laws and align them with present-day realities of renting. So let's look at what they call Phase 1, which is the law changes that came into effect on the 12th of August. There's really two. 
One is to do with transitional and emergency housing. We're not too worried about that for this show, but accommodation provided for those purposes, which is funded by the government or part of special needs grants program, is exempt from the Residential Tenancies Act. So it's uh, nothing to do with, uh, they're just saying we're not going to uh, worry about including that, um, and that's absolutely fine. But the other one that takes effect is that rent increases. Rent increases are now limited to once every 12 months, and this is a change from once every six months. Just for your knowledge, there continues to be a freeze on rent increases, so landlords cannot increase rent until after the 25th of September 2020. But for those of you who are landlords, um, you are able to give notice now that the rent is going to go up. Bear in mind, though, that any rent increase notices given to tenants from the 12th of August must comply with the new 12-month rule. Uh, in other words, um, that they may be applying that uh, retrospectively, that they're limited to once every 12 months. We'll have to see and get... I'll try and get some clarity on that one for you, but certainly uh, questions around that can go to the Tenancy Services Advice Line, which is 0800 Tenancy. So 0800 Tenancy, if you're not sure about whether a rent increase has been um, fair and complies with the change from the 12th of August. It simply says here that any rent increase notices given from the 12th must comply with the new 12-month rule, uh, 12-month rule saying that rent increases are limited to once every 12 months. One would assume that if you put the rent up six months ago and you give them notice now, that actually uh, that you can't uh, do a change until 12 months from that previous has gone by. Don't quote me on that. Normally I'm pretty much on the spot with that, but because this is new, just clarify on 0800 Tenancy. So let's look at phase two, which are law changes to take effect from the 11th of February 2021. The first one is about security of rental tenure, that landlords will not be able to end a periodic tenancy without cause by providing 90 days notice. So that's gone. Uh, New termination grounds will be available to landlords under a periodic tenancy and the required notice periods have changed. Uh, There's quite a lot to that really, but one thing that's put landlords offside really is that now they are a bit more limited in being able to end a tenancy there may have been, and I'm not saying there was, but there may have been landlords that would serve 90 days uh, to move people on in a way that is somehow unfair, although that would be a small percentage of the 3% who would issue a 90-day notice because that's how common they were. About 3% of tenancies would be ended by a 90-day notice, and now even then only a very small percentage of those would have been by landlords who are doing it in somehow a malicious way. So, uh, But however... It has scared a lot of landlords into thinking, wow, now um, it's getting a lot harder to move tenants on and you're going to have to prove antisocial behaviour a number of times within a certain period of time in order to be able to move uh, tenants on. And so so that's, from a landlord's point of view, makes it really scary when it comes to the actual tenant selection process. So uh, with a 90-day notice, one of the things that landlords could do would be effectively to take a punt on somebody that might not have the world's best uh, credit record, for example, or if they might be a little bit unsure, effectively giving someone a chance. So if they meet them and they like them, they want to give them a chance, put them into a rental and um, help them move forwards, and that's great. However, landlords are now facing a situation where if they give someone a chance and somehow it leads to a bad situation, they're a little bit more limited in being able to move those people on. So what I think might happen as a result of this 
is landlords won't be so keen to give people a chance anymore and the people who really need housing and need a bit of a chance who maybe fall outside the public system could end up being excluded from the private system uh, as well. So that's something which is um, a, a genuine concern around that change. Um, however, it does provide more security for tenants from landlords who may try to move them on. There have been some changes to fixed-term tenancies. If you're in a fixed-term tenancy, what will happen now is that landlords can't just end that fixed-term um, without your agreement at the end of that tenancy. So uh, the way fixed-term tenancies used to work was that um, you'd sign up, say, for a year. Uh, at the end of that, or towards the end of that year, everyone would have a chat, and a landlord could just end that tenancy um, without reason, just saying, yes, it was due to end here, we're not going to extend it. The government said, well, that's uh, similar to the 90-day notice. It's, uh, and so what they're doing now is they're saying it will automatically revert to a periodic tenancy that's a fixed uh, sorry, a flexible tenancy, unless both parties agree otherwise. Uh, or if the tenant gives 28 days notice, or uh, if the landlord gives notice with regards certain types of situations, for example, if they're moving back in. Another change is that tenants can make minor changes now. So they can make changes to the property, and the landlords must not decline if the change is minor. Um, so landlords must respond to a tenant's request to make a change within 21 days. Another change is that uh, rental bidding is now prohibited, uh, which I can't think of any examples here locally in Maruti Wanganui where that has ever happened. So what they're saying is rental properties cannot be advertised without a rental price listed and landlords cannot invite or encourage tenants to bid on a rental, in other words pay more than the advertised rent amount. Uh, Doesn't mean that tenants can't offer that, but landlords can't invite or encourage them to. Uh, I'm not familiar with that practice ever really happening. It may have happened in a couple of small areas, but it certainly sounds good from a political point of view to to take that away, and that's been done. Fibre broadband, if you're a tenant, uh, you can request to install fibre broadband, and landlords must agree if it can be installed at no cost to them unless specific exemptions apply. So you used to have to ask a landlord nicely if you're allowed to have fibre, and they could say no. Um, and so uh, they've taken that away and said, well, actually, landlords can't say no if it's at no cost to them. If there's a major cost to the landlord, yes, you will still need some permission there. Now, another thing they've brought in is privacy and access to justice, that a suppression order uh, can remove names and identifying details from published tenancy tribunal decisions if a party who has applied for a suppression order is wholly or substantially successful or this is if this is in the interest of the parties and the public interest. What does that mean? Let's say I'm a tenant, I take my landlord to court and I win because the landlord was not a very nice person. Uh, other landlords, when deciding whether to have me as a tenant, can see that I have done that. So what they're doing is they are now... Um, effectively blanking out the names on decisions um, and uh, I think that's quite good from a privacy standpoint um, and uh, that's that's not a bad change. Um, assignment of tenancies, all requests to assign a tenancy must be considered so landlords cannot decline unreasonably. Um, so in other words, um, if a tenant is wanting to pass the tenancy to another person, uh, they cannot unreasonably decline that. Landlord records, if you don't provide a tenancy agreement in writing, that's now an unlawful act and landlords will need to retain and provide new types of information. There's more record keeping now than ever before required. Uh, Other than that, the enforcement measures are being strengthened 
Um, so there's more action that can be taken against people who are not meeting their obligations and changes to the due restriction now mean that cases can make awards up to $100,000 in Tenancy Tribunal and that's a change from 50000 So we'll cover a little bit more of this just after the break but for the time being we're going to play a little bit of music. Uh, Bob Marley and the Whalers here on Property Matters and Is This Love?
and you're listening to Property Matters on NPR Manawatu People's Radio, Te Reo Irirangi o Ngā Tangata o Manawatu. I'm Greg Watson and just before the break we were talking about some of the changes to the um, tenancy or being brought in in the Tenancy Amendments Act. So a couple more changes that they brought in at the last minute uh, to take effect by uh, 11th of August 2021. So this is more or less a year away. One is to do with family violence. So tenants who experience family violence will be able to withdraw from a fixed term or periodic tenancy without financial penalty by giving two days notice and evidence of the family violence. Uh, If they're the only tenant, the tenancy will end. Now, that's an interesting one. It's giving people the ability to to leave a property uh, in those violent situations, which is absolutely a good idea. However, what's not so good for the owners of the property is that the tenancy can end within two days. Uh, and that's a toughie for people who, uh, given that most landlords only own uh, one rental property in this country, that getting two days and then the your income stops, that's a tough one. That really is because that's got to come out of the family budget of the landlord. That people, So that's a, a, a toughie. Hopefully insurance companies may come to the party on that one. We'll have to wait and see uh, as cases of that unfold. Another one is physical assault. So if a tenant physically assaults a landlord, the owner or an agent of the landlord or a family member of the landlord or owner, and the police have laid a charge against the tenant, landlords can issue a 14-day notice to terminate a fixed term or periodic tenancy. So interestingly, tenants who have been assaulted can leave in two days. Landlords have to uh, wait for police to lay charges and then issue 14 days notice to terminate uh, during a situation where the landlord themselves or the owner or the agent of the landlord or a family member have been physically assaulted. Is that a good idea? Uh, that it should take so long, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, it's almost like saying that they can they can do that. Yes, there is an assault charge, but they're not going to to uh, punish them in terms of the housing side of things. Going to let them carry on staying. I don't know how a landlord who's been assaulted by a tenant would feel about not being able to end that tenancy more or less straight away. So let's move on now to the housing market in general. Uh, this article by Tony Alexander on stuff entitled, Here's Why the Housing Market May Shrug Off Another Lockdown. So the reimposition of forms of lockdown means that the economy will suffer once again. However, he says, this is not a repeat of what happened earlier this year, because unlike back in March, there is no new shock to to the inbound tourism sector from closing previously open borders. The borders are already closed, and the negative hit to our economy from that has already been factored in. So there is no new negative hit to the export education sector, which is already facing a low probability of uh, many students, if any, gaining special quarantine entry next year. There is no new fresh deterioration in growth of our trading partners and no fresh global decline in the share markets. There's no fresh tightening of bank lending criteria. Banks have kept their rules tight since lockdown to acknowledge the risk of exactly this reimposition of movement rules. Most of us who can work from home either still are or we can flick back to doing so at a moment's notice. So these various factors don't mean that the economic impact of a new lockdown is negligible, but certainly not for the hospitality, entertainment, sporting and retail sectors and perhaps to a lesser extent the accommodation and tourism attraction sectors. 
But the Prime Minister and the Director-General of Health have for many months been warning us that we should expect the reappearance of COVID-19, but that containment should be able to be achieved faster than earlier this year. This means that the shock to business and consumer sentiment may not be as much as what one might think, and in some regard, things are played out as expected, and this helps explain why confidence readings have still been fairly weak over June and July, though well off their April lows. What might the housing market implications be of this development? Well, in the short term, negative. The confirmation of a lockdown, regardless of duration, will discourage some firms who are planning to keep staff on when the wage subsidy expires from doing so. Now, there may be some announcements, uh, even by the time you're listening to this, around the wage subsidies. We'll see how we go. But Tony Alexander says the labour market will soften anew, and this will take... uh, It'll take... um, some time uh, to to have an effect. Uh, it all some buyers will move out of the housing market while encouraging some extra sellers. So there are some fairly large offsetting factors: the employment effect. First, we're all going to be more confident in our expectations of interest rates remaining low for some time. And second, we already know what happens when a lockdown ends: people catch up on spending delayed and then dive into the housing market, and that's what we've seen happen in the last couple of months. Investors go out looking for bargains and reacting to low interest rates. First home buyers go on the housing hunt, simply hoping for listings. And this is where the timing of this change in our alert levels is quite fortuitous. Momentum in the market has been strong. So he then goes on to quote a survey of real estate agents from the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand that said that uh, 45% of agents said more people were attending open homes, 59% felt prices were rising, 57% thought FOMO, the fear of missing out, was in play. In other words, people want to get something before the prices go up more. Um, and a net 61% said they were seeing more first-home buyers. So the market is still busy, um, and it's going to be interesting to see how things go. At the start of the show, I mentioned the stats with regards to how prices have been climbing, um, and they should well and truly continue to do so. So while we've talked mainly about the residential tenancy changes today, remember the housing market continues to move upwards in most areas of the country, including record medians in many of the regions. So I hope that wherever you are around the country that you are well, that you're fit and well, and that uh, you can take care during this time of COVID. Uh, We're all fingers crossed hoping that things won't be too dramatic, but we'll just have to wait and see where things go. Either way, I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll be back here on Manawatu People's Radio uh, this time next week. And you can also find this recording where all good uh, blog posts are found. Uh, Podbean is the podcaster of choice here, but also you can find us where all good podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to Property Matters. It's been wonderful having your company. We'll catch you again uh, this time next week. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.